Hello, 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 and welcome to my podcast, That Show Fuck Me Up. It is I, the beautiful, the talented, the funny, your host, Mariel Vizcarra. Cue in the applause. What is up, fucked up fam? Just a disclaimer at the top of the episode, my dogs, Mali and Caritino are here visiting me right now in my apartment in San Diego. And so they might be barking in the background right now. They're just pretty chill, just vibing, you know, no uh, no issues in, sh- in sight, just vibes with them <laughs> right now. They're probably going to take a nap, but, you know, they're not used to this environment. They got here and they're so confused as to why there's so much fucking noise. I mean, they live in Calexico where it's literally quiet all the fucking time. And then I live right up of like a interstate. So there's always noise. So they're just so confused. But yeah, just a heads up. They might bark. I mean, maybe they want to uh, provide some thoughts and point of views from their perspective. That's why they're barking. Uh, and also, it's fucking hot as fuck. T- it's hot as fuck today. It is 74 degrees. Well, that's what my computer shows, but it feels worse than that because of the fucking humidity. The humidity is killing me right now. Uh, but yeah, so the AC's on. The dogs are here. Hopefully, I won't get too much background noise, but you know, it is what it is. The the beauty of podcasting am i right fucked up fam but enough i think those are my only personal updates i am ready to get talking about something that just happened by the time this episode comes out um this is already this has been weeks since roe v wade has been overturned but oh my fucking god i am so angry i am infuriated that the fucking Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Like, it happened yesterday, so I believe it's 624, so July 24th. I mean, June 24th. I don't even know what the what, where, where I'm at. Like, that's how angry I am. I don't know what the fuck's going on. It happened. I was at work the whole day, and I kept getting distracted from work because obviously I'm thinking of all the people with vaginas that are going to suffer moving forward. And everyone's just like, you know, uh, now women don't have autonomy over their own bodies. We've never had autonomy over our own bodies. They were being completely honest with each other because someone always wants to talk. Someone always wants to say something. I am really angry. I'm really scared. I am emotional. I'm just feeling a lot of feelings right now. I don't know what to think. I feel like we're not moving forward at all in the United States. And everyone talks about the how the United States is one of the best fucking countries in the world. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. The United States is pretty much uh, one of the worst countries in the world. Yes, we do have some freedoms. Yes, we do have liberties. And, and you know, we're safe, kind of, not really. But from I, it's horrible. It's horrible thinking that some old people got together and they were like you know what you know what my personal belief is that abortion is not good because it goes against god's will shut the fuck up where's the separation of church and fucking state they're always talking about separation of church and state separation of church and state where where you're bringing your uh religious ideologies into lawmaking it I am so blessed to be uh, living in California right now and, you know, um, 
the governor, Papi, uh, Gavino Papi Newsom. That's what me and my friend Carla called. <laughs> he recently tweeted that, you know, uh, California is going to be one of those states where uh, people could come here and, you know, seek a seek an abortion without the fear of persecution. So this is what his tweet said. Abortion is legal in California. It will remain that way. I just signed a bill that makes our state a safe haven for women across the nation. We will not cooperate with any states that attempt to prosecute women or doctors for receiving or providing reproductive care. I, I'm just, I, I'm so blessed again to be in California, but I'm just feeling for all the other people who are going to have to put their life in danger or struggle or fear of prosecution, fear of going to jail for life, for fucking life because they want an abortion. And everyone always makes the, like the stories like, Oh, you know, what if like a a trigger warning for um, just a quick trigger warning. If you don't want to hear about this, what if a, a 12 year old girl gets raped and blah, 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 blah. Yes. Every, everyone should have access to abortion if that's what they want it it, you don't have to create this elaborate scenarios of only of when abortion abortion should be allowed no some people don't want to have kids and that's okay that is okay and yes abortion is not going to stop even if it's banned from some states abortion will continue and it will become dangerous for a lot of people and a lot of people are gonna die and a lot of people are going to be scarred and a lot of people are going to struggle because of this injustice. It's a fucking injustice, my people. I also uh, t- I took a screenshot of um, someone that I follow on Twitter and it's like thinking about all the abortions Republicans secretly get for their mistresses. LOL, a fucking joke. Yes. Let's talk about that because someone someone uh, replied to that tweet and it's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Some people just speak out of their ass like saying that 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 tweet is stupid, the one that I shared. And honestly, it isn't. It isn't because we know, we know that these uh, persinado, these like, oh, goddess, whatever, Republicans are probably the ones getting their fucking mistresses impregnated and then being like, oh, I can't ruin my, my image. Or they're closeted, you know, or they're in the closet, blah, blah, blah. But they're like pushing their ideologies because they're just like, I don't know. I don't want to say driven by God, because if they were driven by God, God wouldn't want this. (laughs) Like, pick up a fucking Bible every once in a while, you know? God talks to treat others how you wish to be treated. You wish you want someone to treat you the way that you're treating all the people in this country? Oh, I can't. I am so, so angry. So fucking angry and scared for everyone. And then... Uh, and I mentioned it in my collab with the Chatty Fox podcast so on the episode where she was a guest. And it's like, you know, it, it The Handmaid's Tale is terrifying to watch because it's close, so close to reality. And now we're living a little bit of it. We are living a little bit of how The Handmaid's Tale began. And that is terrifying. So, yes, uh, people with vaginas, stay safe out there. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know what to say. I really don't know what to say, but do delete your track, your period tracking apps, uh, just to be safe. Yeah. Don't, don't let people see when you're, when you're fucking or when you're getting your period or, you know, just let's, let's try to, to take that away from them. 
<sighs> but yeah, I, I'm sorry. I don't have any advice. I'm just, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm flabbergasted. I know flabbergasted is the same thing as shocked. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what else to say. Fuck the fam. I'm just really scared and upset and saddened by the direction this country is going in. But, but I am not surprised. Even though I'm shocked, I'm not surprised because I want to believe in the good in people. And I want to believe that, you know, we're going to move forward and stuff like that. But like things like this just makes me really discouraged. Another issue that I wanted to bring up that I really I recently talked about it with some people. It's like the whole uh, Buzz Lightyear movie and the con- the controversy, which shouldn't be a controversy of two women kissing on screen during a Disney movie. I can't. I really, I, I can't with that either. They're like, I've seen like some people I like post, oh, like, I'm not homophobic. Like, when someone starts a sentence with, I'm not homophobic, that means they're homophobic. I'm sorry. I am so, so sorry for telling you the truth right now. If you're scared that your child is going to watch two women kissing and then feel like, oh, maybe I am gay, you're homophobic. And I'm sorry for your child. I'm so sorry that they're going to be grow up uh, not being welcomed by you and accepted by you because of the remarks that you make. I feel for everyone in this country. Ah, I am so angry. I am so upset. These are the times when I I wish I had a co-host so I could so we could have an actual conversation about it instead of me just yelling into the mic how fucking angry I am. But this is this is how I'm feeling. This is how I'm feeling. However, despite all the bad things, I, all the the bad news from yesterday, I, there was one thing that you know made me happy made me feel lightened the fucking mood and that was that you remember how i told you that me and melissa went to the live show for the that's messed up podcast and we got a shout out in their episode called legacy and they they didn't get the name of my podcast correct they're like that's they called it the that fucked me up podcast uh but you know it's that show fucked me up as you already know but you know i still appreciate it and they also uh shouted out melissa's podcast of the chatty fox podcast and i felt so happy so so happy that they even remember like they're a bigger podcast they didn't have to do that you know but and they said that you know that uh they they thought it was so funny how i have a podcast called that show fucked me up and how i just talk about shows that fuck me up (laughs) And it's basically what I do. It's literally what I do. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to the that, That's Messed Up podcast where they cover Law & Order SVU episodes. Shout out to Olivia Benson, the GOAT. So that was the only good thing that happened yesterday, my dudes. I've had a, I had a horrible Friday. And hopefully this weekend is better. I, I need to rest. I need to go out. I need to have fun. I mean, I probably won't do a lot of going out because the dogs, I'm, I'm taking care of my dogs this weekend, but I just need to de-stress. Work was a fuck, was fucking chaotic. I, I'm so tired. I'm so tired, but you know what? Before I'm anything, I'm a podcaster. <laughs> so that's what I'm, I'm here to bring you fucking content, especially, especially because we're going to be covering the last episode. Uh, episode seven of midnight mass 
uh, before that, I don't have a lot of recommendation corners. I barely, I started watching this movie, uh, The Father of the Bride. So it's a remake. Uh, so I'm, I haven't gotten through it all, but I'll come back with an update of what I thought about it. It's okay. It's a little slow at the beginning, but I'm basically like only 20 minutes in. I don't know what the fuck I expected, but I love it. I love uh, Latino movies. <laughs> And yes, it is a remake and they made it a Latino movie or a movie with Latinos in it, whatever. And uh, no podcast updates. TV show. Give me TV show recommendations. All right. I keep going back to all of my comfort TV shows. Is that mental illness? <laughs> Am I mentally ill? I think I read someone that if you do go back to all like shows that you've already watched, it's kind of like because you know what's going to happen. So you'll never get surprised and you will never uh, you'll be you'll be ready. Oh, you'll be ready for what's to come. So, yeah, I think that's uh, that's mental illness because then you're scared of when something doesn't go as how you want it to go. I don't know. I'm just making shit up. So, yeah, I finished Avatar The Last Airbender again. I don't think I'm emotionally ready to rewatch uh, Legend of Korra for like a third or fourth time. But I'll probably do that soon. And, you know, I was just going through my Netflix and then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to rewatch Arrested Development. So that's what I'm doing right now. And yeah, I just give me TV show recommendations that fucked you up so then I can talk about it in the podcast and then maybe cover it for a season. Yay. Um, what else? What else? What else? I feel like I had something that I wanted to bring up. Oh, that they're going to make a sequel to Game of Thrones and it's going to be revolving around Jon Snow. I fuck with it. And he brought the idea to HBO Max and uh, to uh, what's his name? the fucking author of the books jr martin i don't know what his initials are uh but yeah so i'm excited for that and also well the the one the prequel is also gonna be coming out soon so i'm excited for that as well yes like game of thrones even though it ended they're still gonna be making money out of it for Ever, forever, because they're going to keep on making projects revolving around that story. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. I did start it uh, reading a book yet. I can't remember the title right now, but I'll give you an update. I'm basically only two chapters in, but it's already really good. And, yeah, I'm like, I'm paying for Kindle Unlimited. I should be fucking reading. Like, I started the year very strong, and then I stopped. And now I have to go back to reading because I'm paying for the subscription. I always do that. I recently ended a subscription. I recently ended another subscription. I feel like I have like obsessive uh, tendencies because I get really ingrained in one thing for like the longest time. And then after a while, I'm like, I fucking hate it. I never want to do that thing ever, ever again. And that I think I've talked about this like uh, multiple times. I'm a fucking broken record. It applies to things like food, exercises, people, relationships. <laughs> Let's unpack that. <laughs> um, but I think that is it. Again, a long episode ahead of us. So let's get started. Episode 7 of Midnight Mass is called Book 7, Revelation. The episode opens up with a shot of St. Patrick's at night and the doors are open. And then Mildred wakes up outside of the church after getting killed by the angel. 
She can now see all the beautiful things and lights that someone who has been brought to life can see. And then inside the church, we see that Father Paul, a.k.a. Monsignor Pruitt, is back to life after getting shot, and he's just sitting in the podium steps. Mildred walks in slowly and makes her way towards him, and she sits down next to him, and Father Paul asks if the angel heard her, and she just says, yes. Then we hear banging at the door, and we're at one of the residents of Crockett Island's homes, and then we see that the people who have been turned or brought back to life are attacking the other residents of Crockett Island because they're fucking hungry for blood. It's chaos, Tom. It's literal chaos. <laughs> I couldn't make my news anchor voice. Hold on. <clears throat> It's chaos, Tom. Literal chaos. No, that did not sound like a news anchor. <laughs> people are biting into people's throats and then people are being chased. And we see Wade attack an elderly man. But after he has fed, he gives the old man some of his blood as well to turn him. Also, the people who have come back to life all have shining eyes in the dark. And that is how we can differentiate them. Ali is walking around aimlessly looking at all the horrors happening in the island. And then we also see Ed has woken up and is experiencing being brought back to life. Cut to Sarah peeking from her window and, she, and she's seeing that some of the turned residents went to her neighbor's house and attacked them. And she tells Annie, Warren, Lisa, Aaron, and the sheriff that they, that they have to get out of there. Lisa asks where they should go and Sheriff Hassan tells them that he has to go back to the church to get Ali. And he goes up to Sarah and starts asking her about what she knows and how she told him that she had studied this thing. And Sarah just tells him that she doesn't know anything, that she was barely going to go to the island to study the blood. They start arguing, but Aaron tells them to be quiet. And then Aaron goes to the window and looks outside and she asks them if any of them have a phone service and they don't. The sheriff comes to the conclusion that they must have brought down the phone tower and Sarah and Aaron tell him that they sent the ferries away and how Sturge had been messing with the boats. The sheriff makes the connection that they're trying to cut them off from the mainland and Warren tells them that he has a canoe by the uppers and that if he can't, he can get to them, he can't get to the mainland, but at least he can get away from the island. Lisa asks about her parents and how they're still out there and she wants them to go with them as well. And Aaron comes to the conclusion the congregation still need the boats, that that is the reason why they didn't sink them and Sturge only took some parts so that they're able to leave after, like apostles spreading the gospel. Am I right? Aaron also says that Sarah called it a contagion and that if one of them, one of the turned people, makes it to the mainland, then boom, it's over. Aaron hands the gun uh, that she shot Beth with back to the sheriff and then she goes to the kitchen to get a knife and then she starts handing out more knives to everyone. Annie wants to know what the guns and knives are going to do if they can get back up and she gets upset and says that this isn't the way to do things. Erin agrees with her but she says that it might not be the way but that at least it buys them a few more minutes. Annie says, never made much sense to me. Everyone says that there is a heaven that is waiting for us, and then we claw, fight, beg for a few more minutes at the end. Aaron tells her that it isn't about them anymore, how they're fighting for everyone else in the world, and how they're dying for people that they haven't even met. No greater love than that poetic Jesus instead of poetic justice. Get it? But I'm, <laughs> I'm so funny, fucked up, fam. Like, honestly, I should be a stand-up comedian. I can't even speak, and I want to be a stand-up comedian. Jesus. <laughs> 
Aaron starts telling them that the first thing they need to do is to get the ki- the kids, not the kids, the kids to safety. And Warren and Lisa uh, argue that they want to help, but uh, but Aaron begins telling them that they should get to the beach and that Lisa and Warren should paddle out. But then a Molotov cocktail is thrown in through the window and bursts into flames inside. And we see that Bev and Sturge are outside and Bev calls out, Aaron Green, I would like to finish our discussion. Sheriff Hassan opens the window uh, and him and Sarah start helping Lisa and Warren out of the house. And Aaron uh, gathers some courage and starts heading to the door to confront Bev. But Annie stops her and tells her to go and to get the children to safety and how she will hold off Beth and search for a few minutes. And Annie also says, I'd like a word with Beth. Annie tells Warren that she loves them, that she loves him as she tells Aaron to leave. Annie comes out and Beth tells her that she does not have beef with her and that she would like a word with Sarah Gunning, Aaron Green, and that terror-loving sheriff. Fuck you, Beth Keen. Have I mentioned how much I hate Beth? Like, I literally hate her. Annie tells her how they're all in there and two children as well. And Bev is like, I would never put children in any danger. Fuck you, Bev. Bev notices that Annie's holding a knife and she's telling Annie how they're way past that. And Annie tells them that the knife isn't for them. And then she asks Bev to listen to her. Annie tells Bev, you aren't a good person. Beth is a little shocked by this statement and calls it uncalled for and Annie continues and tells her that God does not love her more than everyone else and how she isn't a hero and how she certainly isn't a victim. Beth tells her that she's in no position to lecture her and she says, I hate to speak speak ill of the dead, but if Riley Flynn, a drunk and a murderer, was evidence of the quality of his parenting, and Annie cuts her off and agrees with Beth that Riley was a quality of her and Ed's parenting every part of him and she tells Beth Beth that God loves Riley just as much as he loves Beth and she asks Beth why why does that thought upset you so much Beth realizes that Annie is stalling and she tells Sturge to check around back and then Annie stabs herself in the throat and slits her own throat and then she falls to the ground Bev and Sturge approach her and tell her how she will be back up in no time. And then they begin to get mesmerized by the blood that is gushing out of Annie. And Beth begins pulling the blood in her fingers and hands before her and Sturge full on begin feeding off of Annie. Back in the church, Father Paul and Mildred are still sitting next to each other. And Father Paul is talking about the concept of death and how much death is happening at the same time every single day, every single second. He confesses to Mildred that the sole reason for him to bring back the angel slash, slash demon, from my perspective, back to, back to Crockett Island was for Sarah and because he didn't want to watch Mildred die. He says that, of course, he was also thinking of the other people in Crockett Island, but at the end of the day, it was always about Mildred and Sarah and how his whole life was wasted just staring at Sarah across the church and how he was so scared to come down from his position to be with Mildred and too scared to come down and tell his daughter, his daughter, the truth. He continues, it never felt like a sin. You never felt like a sin. And our daughter, she was never a sin. She was never a mistake. Never. Mildred asks, what could we have done, John? It was a different world. Father Paul tells her that during those hard nights when Mildred was sleeping next to her husband and that uh, if 
if Mildred had shown up and asked him to give it all up for him, for her, that he would have, and how he would have gone with her anywhere in the world. Mildred tells him that she was never going to do that, not for Sarah or for him or to her husband, especially not after the war. Mildred says that she wasn't going to ruin four lives, but how that is over and that they've made their choices and lived their lives, that Sarah grew up and they faded away, and that is how it's supposed to work. Father Paul mentions that they've got another chance and how they can now be a family uh, this time. And Father Paul asks if she can think of a miracle more amazing than that, a second chance. We're back with what I'm calling the good team. So, you know, Warren, Lisa, Sarah, Aaron, and the sheriff. And they see the demon. I'm going to full on call it a demon. Go inside this house. And then a lady runs out screaming and yelling for help. And Aaron is telling her to be quiet because then they'll call attention to the rest of them. Uh, and the the brought back to life, the zombies, as I'm going to call them now, will go after them. Then we see Uker, Warren's friend, approaching them. And he calls out to Warren and he mentions that they smell good, that they smell amazing. And he has blood all over his face and he's still wearing his altar boy attire. The sheriff points his gun at him and tells him to back up. And Uker calls the sheriff by a racial slur that I will not be repeating. And then the sheriff shoots him. But then that now calls attention to more people. And then the lady whose house the angel went to starts running towards them, asking them for help. But then the demon flies over and grabs her. And then the sheriff shoots at the demon. And the, the demon turns around and screeches at the sheriff before flying off, still carrying the lady from the house. Wade gets there and he calls out Lisa's name and Lisa wants to go towards her dad, but Aaron holds her back and the sheriff shoots the mayor and then someone else grabs Lisa, but the sheriff hits him over the head and both Aaron and Sheriff Hassan tell Lisa and Warren to run as fast as they can and then we see the turned people running after them. Back with Bev and Sturge, they're done feeding off of Annie and Sturge asks why Annie stabbed herself and Bev tells him that it doesn't matter. The fire in the house has gotten bigger and Sturge says how they should turn it off, but that Bev tells him that she isn't sure that they should do that anymore. And Sturge tells her that if they let it run its course, it could burn down the whole island. And Bev tells him that it won't take the whole island, but more of only the west bank of the island and how even then the fire wouldn't get to the church. And then she says, Revelation, the name of the episode. You should take a shot. Take a shot when uh, the word revelation comes up. <laughs> The first, and then the, she's like the first angel blew its trumpet, and then there were there was fire and hail, and how a third of the earth ended up in shatters, burned up, as well as all the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the adulterers, and all of the liars. So Bev basically tells Sturge to let her burn, as it as it said in the Bible, and how the fire will basically also take all of the non non-believers. She says that there is a new flood coming and that St. Patrick's will be their ark and that all of the good citizens in the island know where to go during a storm. Perfectly tying it into the first episode. Oh, I love it when it comes full circle. Bev tells him to go with her and to bring the fuel they were using and then we see Annie open her eyes. Warren and Lisa hide inside Joe's mobile home and Lisa grabs one of Joe's guns and, and Warren asks her, What's the point of the guns are? And she uses the same phrase that Aaron had given Annie earlier. Minutes. 
They exit the mobile home and Lisa grabs a tank with fuel that is just outside. And she says that in case they are able to get a boat or something uh, so they, they'll have fuel. And she tells Warren that they will be okay. Warren asks her if she thinks that they will make it. And Lisa responds that that is not what she said, but that either way, they're going to be okay. And she hugs Warren as they head out together. Ooh, that's, that is such a strong statement. Like, talk about being fucking strong. Miss Lisa, Miss Lisa is probably going to earn, I don't know if she'll get Savage of the Week award, but she she's earning those brownie points. I'd, I Like, she doesn't know if they'll make it, but what she does know is that they'll be okay. I think that means that she'll never lose her faith despite of what's happening. And she knows that there's a heaven waiting for them. So that's how she knows they will be. Oh, I just made the fucking connection. Fucked up, fam. That was, uh, I'm in, I'm, I'm in my feels. I don't know if Tom is coming. Tom, it stands for time of the month. So I don't know why period's coming. But I'm just an emotional wreck. Any, um, so blah, blah, blah. Then we see blah, blah, blah. Okay. Then we see Sturge and Beth burn down the general store and then cut to Annie and Ed finding themselves once they've both been turned and they run to hug each other. And then they both notice that they're covered in blood. Annie tells Ed that the blood is all hers and it tells her the same thing about him. And he mentions what it, uh, that it was being done, what is being done to people and how it is horrible and that he hasn't done it. So he basically tells her that he hasn't fed. And he tells him that she can already feel it already, that her stomach hurts. And she asks, is this what I'll become? Just an animal who can't resist. Ed says that when he saw them at the church, he really thought it was something that they could not help, like something impossible not to do, but how it isn't and how he feels it too and that he's starving, but he hasn't done it. And that whatever this is, that they should not change who they are. Oh, I love Annie and Ed. Um, Sarah, Aaron, and the sheriff see smoke and realize what Bev and Sturge are doing. And Sarah is saying how it does not make any sense to burn it all down. The sheriff is trying to open the lock to some tank. And Sarah and Aaron are saying how they hope that the kids made it to the boat. Sarah says, we're probably never, we're probably never going to know. And Aaron agrees, probably not. So they know they're going to die. Oh, why am I crying? Fucked up, fam. Ooh, I feel like I'm going to have to take a little cry break. <laughs> Let's all take a little cry break because I can't deal with this. Like, I already know what's happening. Why am I crying? Oh, no, I'm a power through because I'm that bitch. <laughs> and then Sarah reassures uh both uh both herself and Aaron that they will make it and that uh the kids will make it and how she's deciding that they will then we see that the ma- the sheriff managed to get the tank open and they're filling out these containers with gas and then we see all of them covering the boats in the island with gasoline and they light them all up let them fucking burn let the let the ships fucking burn uh, we then see Wade and Dolly are both chasing after Lisa and Lisa and Warren get some shelter inside an ab- abandoned house. But just their lack, it turns out to be the abandoned house where the demon attacked Bull because they encounter Bull's dead body. And then they look over and they see the fucking demon is right there. And it's feeding off of that woman that came running out of her house. 
And the woman is still alive because she looks over at them as the angel is speeding from her neck. And then Lisa gets startled. So Lisa had been holding a lighter for light and she gets startled and her lighter turns off. Uh, and then the woman is now sobbing. And then Lisa turns the lighter back on and hands it to Warren. And she grabs the rifle that she took from Joe's house and shoots the angel. But the angel does not move. The angel is unbothered by this because he literally just like got shot. And it looks as he's like swatting away a fly. So he doesn't feel any pain. Lisa takes a rifle and shoots him again. And then the angel continues, the demon, whatever, the thing, the thing continues eating. And then Lisa takes the gasoline and pours it all over the demon. And then they make a path out, outside of the abandoned house. And then she drops the lighter. We see the fire going inside the house. And then we see the angel is burned and it's flying away, still in flames. Then we see Sturge call out Lisa's name, uh, telling her that her parents have been worried sick, looking for her. And then Lisa and Warren run off and Lisa drops the rifle that she was carrying. Sturge tells the two other people that he's with to get the word out that whoever's not in the rec center by sunrise won't live to see another day. And to uh, and he also tells the two people to hit all of the living spaces in Crockett Island and to light them the fuck up. Then we see Beth is preparing the rec center with beds and a lot of candles. Uh, safety hazard? Yes, ma'am. The firefighter, the fire department would not agree of all those candles inside that building. No, it won't. But I mean, it's Crockett Island. They've got their, I mean, they, don't, they probably don't even have a fire department if we're being totally honest. <laughs> Beth goes inside the church chambers and she rings the church bell as a way to call all the people home. To God. Father Paul gets up after hearing the bell and he sees Beth and Beth tells him, you're up. Praise be. And then she notices that he's with Mildred and she tells Father Paul that he's a strong soul and more easy to forgive Mildred for shooting him than she would have ever been. Father Paul tells her, you let them out. And she says, of course I did. And she says, let me show you. And she takes them outside so they can see Crockett Island engulfed in flames. Mildred is shocked and disgusted uh and beth brings up the whole Noah of ark reference again and how saint patrick's is the ark and that they will take uh to their ships and spread the word of christ like sheep among wolves and then we see the sh chosen ones as beth calls uh the the night of the fucking walking dead ensemble approaching the church slowly so all of the people that have turned are now walking towards the church Father Paul wants to know who will decide who is chosen, and Beth tells him that him and her, of course. And Father Paul wants to know what happened to the rest, and Beth basically tells him that she doesn't know, and that she doesn't really care, and how it isn't up to her, and that it is between them and God. Father Paul tells Beth that they got this wrong, and that they are the wolves in her analogy. And Beth tells him not to be ridiculous, and that not him too, like not him turning on her too. But Father Paul continues to say that he was wrong and that they were wrong. Beth tells him that he needs to be their shepherd and their leader because they're lost and that they need guidance. And Father Paul tells her that it was never supposed to be him and how that is the thing about priesthood, that it was never about oneself but about God. Beth is shocked that Father Paul uh, yelled at her and she takes a few seconds to collect her thoughts and she says, well, I guess it isn't you anymore. And how God warned them about the priests who would turn against them, uh, against God.
Beth tells him that he was always going to be the last and hardest test of her faith. And she quotes from the Bible again, as Bev does, and that she tells Father Paul and Mildred that she truly hopes that they enjoy each other's company during the sunrise. Bev walks away uh, from them towards Sturch, and she tells him that they're ready for them, but they, they need an accurate headcount of all of their loyal followers and to see how many boats they will need tomorrow. And then Sturch reveals to Bev that the boats have all been burned to flames. Beth tells him that it's no worries and how the mayor will call back the ferries when it's time and she wants to know who burned the boats. Cut to Lisa and Warren running and they get to the canoe and there's an explosion that is heard and Lisa turns around and says, she turns around to look back at Crockett Island and she says, I love you mom, I love you dad. And then she begins to pray and ask the Lord to keep her parents safe and to watch over them, and to touch their hearts, and to make it so they won't worry, and to bring her parents peace. Ah, I'm crying again. Why am I crying? <laughs> ah, I, I can't. I literally can't. Ah, okay. Warren says, my mom, and my dad, and my brother, they're all gone, aren't they? And Lisa responds, yeah. Warren says that if he would have known at that dinner, the last dinner, he would have been di different. And Lisa tells him that they know. And then they get they begin to take the canoe, the canoe to the water. Oh, my God. Why am I crying? Like, that got me in my feels. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> imagine, imagine this picture. Me crying in my apartment alone while my two dogs sleep in front of a mic. What is more fucking hysterical than that? <laughs> uh, moving on, the chosen ones are gathered outside the rec center and Bev calls out one of them and she's like, hmm, uh, you were never in church a day in your life, but you were still chosen, blessed. The man uh, who she calls out is clearly shaken, and he says that he killed his wife and his boys. And Bev is like, I hate to tell you this, but you could have brought them back. The same way that Sturge brought you back, even though we discussed it, and he would only do it in a rare, specific situation. And Bev goes and tells him that he could have saved his family if only he had been a man of faith. Fuck you, Bev Keen. I fucking hate this bitch. She fucking thinks she's God. Oh. The man says that he didn't know what was happening and Beth replies how it is the end of all things and that the tools for his salvation were always there and how the doors were always open and he just never took advantage of those resources. Then she tells the man to go to go be with God now and Beth turns to Sturge and she tells him that there isn't room inside uh, the rec center for that man. Sturge tries to argue that he saved him and how he was always nice to him, but Beth just gives him a stare and Sturge apologizes to the man as he leads him away. And he tells him to go down to the shore and how he can just watch the sunrise. The man falls down to his knees and begins crying and Mildred approaches the man and Father Paul tells, tells him to bring him in and how he is welcomed in St. Patrick's and how they're all welcome and how everyone is welcome in God's house. Father Paul walks into the church and is shocked to see Sarah, his daughter, getting gas all over, the, getting the gasoline all over the place. And they just stare at each other 
And Father Paul, Paul finally says something and he says, good. And he tells her to go back out there and head to the water. So to like light the church on fire and to get out of there as fast as she can. Sarah tells him that that was always the idea. And Father Paul tells Sarah, I'm sorry we never told you, but me and your mother love you so much. And I've been so proud of you. And I just wish we had gotten to know each other better. Sarah tells him that she wishes that too. And then from behind Father Paul, a shot is heard. And Sarah gets shot in the chest. And Father Paul turns around and sees Sturge pointing the rifle. Father Paul attacks Sturge and starts choking him. And then Mildred runs to the church and sees Sarah has been shot. And, she's, and she goes to her and she's holding her. And Father Paul goes over, cuts himself, and tries to give Sarah some of his blood. And as the blood goes inside her mouth, she spits it out. And then Sarah dies as her mom holds her. Mildred tells Father Paul that when Sarah was a little girl, her favorite place on the whole island was that little bridge by the marsh. We then see Father Paul carrying Sarah out of the church. And Mildred, as she walks out of the church, drops one of the candles to the ground. And then the whole church lights up in flames. Then Sturge sees that Sheriff Hassan. Uh, so Sturge notices that Sheriff Hassan is putting gasoline outside of the rec center. And Bev grabs the rifle and shoots the sheriff in his leg. And she yells out, you disgusting viper. You would burn us in our own home. Fuck you, Beth Keen. You're literally doing the same. You're literally burning all the homes in Crockett Island. But someone does that to you and now you're upset? Fuck you, Beth Keen. The fucking irony. Beth goes on that she knew that Sheriff Hassan was going to be an issue since the day he first set foot in the island. And she calls him a fucking terrorist. Fuck you, Beth Keen. Sheriff Hassan mentions how the rec center is the last building standing, and then he notices that Beth is staring at his leg wound, and he asks, hungry, huh? But she calls him a fucking dirty blood, and she calls him out She calls him out for being a coward and making his move when the church was empty. Sheriff Hassan says how the church isn't en- empty, and then Aaron comes out from inside the church, and she's about to learn to light the church on fire but then the demon swoops in and takes her and he starts feeding off of Aaron (laughs) my little heart can't my little tender heart can't with so much death and aggression towards our faves not Aaron then we see Ali grab the lighter that Aaron dropped and Beth calls Ali over and asks for the lighter. But then Ali turns on the lighter and throws it inside the rec center. And it bursts into flames. Everyone is shocked. And then they can tell that it is the end. Sheriff Hassan says, there's a verse in the Bible that just kind of stuck with me. He makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. Beth shoots him again on the other leg. And Ali goes over to help his dad up. Cut to a close-up of the demon feeding off of Aaron, and she's still alive. And we see her reaching over for something in her pocket, and she takes out a knife, and she starts cutting into the wings of the demon. 
the skin in the wings is so thin that Aaron doesn't even struggle. And similar to when Lisa had shot him twice, he barely even flinches. But she is able to make several cuts in his wings. Ali helps his dad up, and then Beth starts to say how they've got to, they ha there has to be somewhere where they can go. But Wade lets her know that there's nowhere, that it was all burned to the ground, and how she burned it all. Dolly tells Wade that they should be looking for Lisa, and they all start to walk their separate ways. Beth turns to Serge and tells him how there must be somewhere they can go. And Beth mentions the boats, and he tells her that the boats are gone. Sturge sees Uker just standing there watching the rec center burn, and he asks him if he's okay, and Uker responds, I don't think so. I think I killed my mom. Sturge tells him that he has also done some awful stuff and that he shouldn't be alone tonight, and he asks Uker if he can forgive him, and Uker says that he does. And him and Uker and Howie, Sturge's friend who was, kicked, who was not allowed in the rec center, all walk away together. Back with Aaron and the angel, demon, whatever, and she basically has cut a bunch of gashes in his wings, and he finally realizes it, and he's able to fly away, but he is struggling. Cut to Ali helping his dad, uh, and the sheriff falls to the ground, and then they see the demon fly as if it is looking for somewhere for shelter, but it like everything is burned, so there's no shelter. Then Lisa and Warren also see the demon flying, and Warren points out that it is flying west and how it is running away from the sunrise. And Lisa asks if he thinks that the demon can make it to the shelter before the sunrise, and Warren says, 30 miles? I mean, that thing can barely fly. I don't think it can make it. We then see Erin as she's in the ground, slowly dying. And then we get a flashback of when Riley asks her what she thinks happened when someone dies, from her perspective hers, not speaking from her unborn child's perspective or what she wishes would happen. Erin tells Riley that that's the problem, speaking from oneself, and she asks herself, how did she forget that? The body stops a cell out of time, but the brain keeps firing those neurons, little lightning bolts like fireworks inside, and I thought I would feel despair or feel afraid, but I don't feel any of that, none of it because I'm too busy in this moment, remembering, of course, I remember that every atom in my body is forged in the star. This matter, this body, is mostly just empty space, because solid matter, it's just energy vibrating very slowly because there's no me. There never was. The electrons in my body mingle and dance, and the electrons of the ground below me, and the air, and I'm no longer breathing, and I remember. There's no point where any of that ends and I begin. I remember I'm energy, not memory. As Erin continues to speak, we see Father Paul and Mildred carry Sarah's body to her favorite place in Crockett Island. Erin says, my name, my personality, my choices all came after me. I was before them and I will be after and everything else is pictures picked up along the way fleeting little dreamlets printed on the tissue of my dying brain. We see Annie and Ed holding hands walking around. Erin continues, and I am the lightning that jumps between. I am the energy firing the neurons. I and I am returning just by remembering I am returning home. We see Ali help the sheriff get to the beach, and Erin says, and it's like a drop of water 
falling back into the ocean of which it's always been a part, all things apart, all of us apart. You, me, and my little girl, and my mother, and my father, everyone who's ever been, every plant, every animal, every atom, every star, every galaxy, all of us. More galaxies in the universe than grains of sand in the beach. And that's uh, what we're talking about when we say God, the one, the cosmos, and its infinite dreams. We are the cosmos dreaming of itself. It's simply a dream that I think it's my life every time. But I'll forget this. I'll always do. I always forget my dreams. But now, in this split second, the instant I remember, I comprehend everything at once. There is no time. There is no death. Life is a dream. It is a wish. And again and again and again and on into eternity. And I'm all of it. I'm everything. I'm all. I am that I am. We see Erin taking her last breath. The sun is starting to peek through the horizon, and then we see Annie begin to sing a church song as she holds her hands and as she holds hands with Ed and looks into Ed's eyes. Ed begins to sing with her. Then we see Sheriff Hassan and Ali doing morning prayer together, and Beth looks at them from a distance alone. The people of the congregation surrounding Annie and Ed all sing together now. And we see Father Paul and Mildred hold onto Sarah's body. Cut to Warren and Lisa seeing Crockett Island burn from a distance. Back with Ali and, the, and Sheriff Hassan during their morning prayer. And then Sheriff Hassan falls to the ground, probably from losing so much blood. Beth falls down to her knees as she notices that the sun is about to come out and her last resort is to start digging into the sand as she sobs, a fucking coward. The congregation is gathered together, singing and hugging each other, and then Father Paul turns to Mildred and he asks her to forgive him and she reaches over and kisses him. The sun rises and we see Beth and Ali go first as they burst into flames, and then the rest of the chosen ones go as well. Then everything goes silent. Lisa and Warren stare at each other and then at the sunrise. And then Lisa takes Warren's hand and she turns to him and says, I can't feel my legs. End of episode. End of series. All right, let's get started with our segment, starting with that shit's traumatizing. So when the good squad are all inside of Sarah's house and Beth gets there and and Aaron is about to go outside to confront Beth because Beth is specifically calling out for her. And then Annie is like, no, I'll do it. And then she goes outside knowing knowing that she's about to die and you know how i knew you know how i know that she knew that she was gonna die because she took that knife with her and erin had just told her that yes maybe knives aren't the answer like they're not gonna do anything but they will save you some time they'll give them five fucking minutes and that's all they need so she goes outside speaks her truth to bev who is a fucking cunt and she tells her that the knife isn't for them it's for her and then she stabs herself in the neck and like 
when I was doing the retelling and I was like hearing myself while I was editing, I mentioned that like she stabbed herself and then she like slid her throat and it literally looked like that like she first stabbed and then slit, which I don't think it's humanly possible because once you stab yourself, I don't think you have strength. But I'm not a doctor, I'm not a murderer, so I <laughs> I don't know how this works, okay? I'm literally just a podcaster. <laughs> Uh, second traumatizing thing, realizing that Sarah is the Monsignor's daughter, bro. Look, I, I don't want to call it hypocrisy from like the Monsignor, aka Father Paul's side, but you know, you're, you're a preacher, right? Like you're a priest. What's the difference between a preacher and a priest? First of all, you're a preacher you believe in god and when you believe in god and you, be, you become a priest you take this vow of like um what is it the vow where you don't have sex <laughs> chastity chastity uh so you take this vow of chastity and then human desires get in the way of it and it's just like oh you're pretending to be such a good person and holier than thou but then you still have like you're you have someone you love you have a daughter and a daughter that you can't even call your own and it breaks my heart so at the end of the day at the end of the day fucked up fam no matter how good you are or no matter how good you pretend to be to to you pretend to be or the you know the outer self that you portray to the world we are all fucking sinners and not even in a religious point of view we're just sinners. Sometimes we do bad things. And in this case, Father Paul, a.k.a. Monsignor Pruitt, fell in love with a married woman and was having sex with her. And then from that came Sarah. And it's just like, does that make him a bad person? I, honestly, if the church, if the Vatican is asking for my opinion, I think y'all should stop with that vow of chastity shit. Like, what do you think that you know these priests are gonna have sex or these nuns are gonna have sex and then be corrupted no stop it stop it such an outdated concept let these people have their families why does god have to be their biggest love i don't fucking get it like why are you so scared why are you scared about these people like the people that choose to be priests nuns etc not have isolation because at the end of the day and this is all just like personal right these are just my thoughts and i don't know if this is true i'm like these people are isolated and lonely and they only have god and it's like is god enough <laughs> is their faith enough to hold them through the rest of their life i don't know i don't know and just, just let them have a family, dude. If they want to, of course, it's their opinion. If they want to have a family, if they want to have a wife, if they want to have a girlfriend, <laughs> it should be their decision, period. Period, point blank. Um, but yeah, it, it was really heartbreaking because if you remember that one episode where Sarah takes like her date to the, to the uh, Ash Wednesday festival uh, outside like church, and she's like, oh, you know, like, 
Father Paul is always like is staring at me weird and her like date was like, oh, is it because you brought me as your date because we're lesbians, blah, blah, blah. And she mentioned how Monsignor Pruitt would stare at her that same way when she was a child. And she and Father Paul, a.k.a. Monsignor Pruitt, was not judging her. He was loving her from afar because he couldn't he couldn't love her out loud and proud because of his religion and that's so sad i feel like it's sad from the point of view of father paul because because sarah always had her father right her father she had her mother her father and she wasn't lacking anything because it seems like she had supportive parents it's sad from the perspective of father paul aka monsignor pruitt because he missed out on getting to really know his daughter all because of fear a fear of, you know, God and a fear of being a sinner, even though he already was a sinner. It's crazy to me. Religion is so complicated. It's so complex. It is so fucking complex. Um, oh, my God. This was so fucking scary when Lisa and Warren are looking for shelter and, um, then they run into this house and it turns out it's the house that the fucking demon has been like hiding out at and they find Uker's body and the, the demon is literally right there no care in the world just feeding off this lady and then lisa shooting the demon and the demon being like bro chill like i'm hungry the demon was literally just like eating up that blood no care in the world got shot didn't even fucking notice that is fucking terrifying honestly shout out to my girl lisa she was very courageous literally took out the the shotgun shot the demon twice and then when that didn't work she's like i'ma light this motherfucker on fire and she did it didn't work because like it flew away right as it lit up and honestly that lady wasn't fully dead so i don't know if she burned to she burned to death <laughs> that's really scary that is really really scary but i feel like when the demon was feeding off of her she was almost about to die so hopefully hopefully she died before getting like burned um let's see what's the next the oh this part is when uh also lisa and warren get to the uh, rowboat and before they get on lisa turns around and you know says says a little prayer and says uh, ask god to take care of her of her mom and her dad and to show them the way and to not make them feel scared and then warren kind of comes to the realization he's like my mom my dad and my brother are gone holy fucking shit a whole family gone disappeared all because of the self and selfishness of one man just one and unfortunately that man had to be monsignor pruitt aka father paul but we'll get we'll get there we'll get there um where oh yeah it's, it, it was really sad that Warren came to that realization and it's just like where where do we go from here and him and Lisa it's even more sad because at the end we know Lisa and Warren are the only ones that survive literally the only ones that fucking survive
Also, uh, when fucking Beth called the chosen ones by ringing the church bell, that was creepy as fuck. Because they're all just walking and they look like fucking zombies, like walking really slowly. And it's dark outside, so their eyes are like shining in the darkness. And and then they get there and then Beth is like, oh, to that one man, she's like, what the fuck are you doing here? You were never in church any like at all. And then him being like, I killed my family. I killed my wife and my two boys. And I don't know what came over me. And Beth being like, well, if you had been at church, uh, you would have known that you could have brought them back. The trauma. The fucking trauma. Imagine just waking up one day, being attacked by your homie, Sturge. And then all of a sudden, you come back to life. And then you're fucking hungry. And the only people that haven't been turned are your own family. And then you kill them, but you don't know why. Like, literally an urge that you can't control. And then afterwards, you just see all these people walking towards the church and you follow along because what else are you going to do, right? You literally killed your family and you get there. And then and then Bev is like, well, you can't go into the rec center because you're not a chosen one. Fuck you. Fuck you, Bev. Fuck you, Bev. Because who made you uh, God? Bev. Bev, sweet, sweetie. Bev. You're not God. And you know how Annie said that, oh, God doesn't love you more than anyone else. Bev, I don't think God loves you. Like, I don't think God likes you at all. Like, you're a horrible fucking person pretending to be holier than thou. Fuck you. I'm so angry. I am so angry. <laughs> I don't know if you t- if you can tell fuck the fam, but this season, like, Season five of that show fucked me up. Had me fucked up. Like, for real. I was so angry. I don't know if it has to do with, like, the religion aspect of it. It probably does. Like, people being so fucking hypocritical. I think that just gets me really, really angry. It gets me going and not on a good way. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then, well, you know, after Beth is like, you can't come in. And then Mildred and Father Paul approach this man and be like, Everyone is welcome in the church. Uh, I mean, if those that are being cast aside by Beth coming to the church. And then Father Paul walks into the church and he sees his daughter, you know, pouring gasoline all over the place. And he like, that's when he finally comes to terms with it. He's like, the way that I can step up and be a father to Sarah is by giving up my own life. You know, and it's just like he he accepted. He's like, yes, do it and leave and get as far away from here as possible. Go to the water. And then Sturge walks in and sees this thing, sees their interaction, and he shoots Sarah. And not only that, not only that, Mildred running towards Sarah, Father Paul going after after, like towards them to cutting himself and then sarah spitting out the blood oh my god she it was so brave sarah was so brave because she's like i'm gonna go out on my terms i don't want to come back to life i don't want to be turned into what y'all have turned you know and she it it's 
it's really sad because before that, Father Paul and Mildred had been talking and Father Paul like basically tells her like, I did this for you and for Sarah. I didn't want to see you die. We have a chance to be a family again. And then the person that he did this for is basically spitting, literally spitting in his face like, no, that was your vision. My vision and your vision do not align. I'm choosing to leave as a human, as I lived, and not by your terms. Oof. Fucking shout out to Sarah fucking Gunning. Shout out to Dr. Sarah fucking Gunning. Oh, my God. I hope Father Paul, like, I don't know. I have. I have feelings towards Father Paul. We'll, 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 we'll get to them. We'll get to them eventually. Also, when uh, sh- the sheriff is kind of like, you know, Beth comes out, shoots, uh, shoots fucking Sheriff Hassan when she sees him pouring gasoline outside of the rec center. And then Sheriff Hassan was basically just like wasting her time because he's like, oh, but it isn't really empty, is it? The rec center. And then seeing Erin come out and her lighting the fucking match. Was it a lighter? But then the fucking demon swooping in. And like flying away with Erin before she has a chance to like, like light the rec center on fire. Erin <sighs> and Sarah, like everyone knew. No, especially Erin. Erin always knew that she was going to go back after she found out exactly how, how Riley told her. You're going to, I wanted to tell you this and for you to leave and get as far away from here as possible. But I know that is not going to happen because he knew what type of person Erin was. And of course, Erin was going to go back and help her loved ones. And she didn't care if she died on the way. The most beautiful act of selflessness came from Aaron Green, Miss Green. Um, what else? And then, well, um, and I think that is uh, all for traumatizing. Let's move on to heartwarming. There's a couple heartwarming, uh, you know, things in this episode that I want to mention. So first, I, I already talked about it in my, in my retelling, but You know, Lisa telling Warren that everything is going to be okay. I thought that it was really comforting for, like, let's, let me try to explain it. So Lisa and Warren are both the same age. They're teenagers. And they're being exposed to this fucking chaos. Literal fucking chaos. Death and murder. And... Among this, all this fucking destruction and death and everything, Lisa still has, you know, she she's being so strong for Warren because she knows that it's what Warren needs right now. And she's being the stronger out of the two and telling him, we're going to be okay, regardless, regardless of what happens. And you know why she says that? It's because she still believes in God. 
and she still believes in her religion and it is what's it, it her faith is literally so strong that it's keeping her going and making it seem like yes we might not survive however i know things will be okay so it's just like even if we die here we'll be okay because we'll be going to heaven holy shit the maturity that this child had to have am i right fucked up them to kind of be the bigger person and like hold it all together and and really wanting to survive because of course she wants to survive hell yeah dude she's a child she literally has her whole life ahead of her oh my god okay next thing Annie, after both Annie and Ed have turned and they find each other and they run and they embrace and then they both promise themselves that they will fight the hunger and they will not feed. That was so powerful. That was so powerful because that just makes us, that just shows us that they, there is some sort of like, that you can fight the hunger, right? So we're being, the hunger is being portrayed as something that you can't fight. And it's something that, you know, it's unavoidable, but they're showing us that it is avoidable. Even if it kills them, they're like, we won't do it. We won't become monsters. We won't become animals just looking for our next, like, source of food. And then uh, another thing, like, another i think this is like a, a mirror of the previous scene that i just mentioned but sarah and aaron being like i hope the children made it like lisa and warren made it to the to the rowboat and then the, they're them being like well i guess i guess we'll never know kind of again the whole thing of accepting their faith not their faith their fate they're accepting their fate not of like not knowing if they'll survive they probably know that they won't but it's just like no no, I am choosing to believe that they made it and that they will survive. And just keeping that positive mindset was really, really powerful. And then, oh my God, this was amazing. After Sarah is shot, Father Paul like carries her out of the, the church. And then as soon as Mildred is about to leave, she turns around and just pushes one of those church candles down. And like watching the reaction from like the congregation and the chosen ones seeing the church just light up in flames was so satisfying fucked up them i fucking love it i am living for it yes i am and oh my god ali finally had his moment to you know do some good after you know choosing god instead of his dad and he finally chose his dad he chose his father over God and religion and the madness that was happening at Crockett Island when he fucking, you know, Beth is telling him like, oh, give me, give me the lighter. And Ali is like, fuck that. And he drops it. And now again, seeing the chosen ones as they watch their only like sense of hope light up in flames as well and them realizing that there's no way out and that they're gonna die as soon as the first ray of sun hits them Mwah. chef's kiss yes beautiful poetic jesus again 
instead of poetic justice it is poetic jesus yes it is yes it fucking is and then um another heartwarming thing ali taking his dad to the by the water and like at the beach and then them praying together one last time sharif hassan finally got his wish of being able to pray with his son again oh oh i hadn't realized that and now i'm sentimental again holy shit i hate it here fucked up that i fucking hate it here and then uh one of the last scenes uh annie and ed started like when they start singing that that gospel singing the gospel and 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 then all of the congregation joining along knowing that at this point i believe they've all accepted their fate fate not faith <laughs> or both <laughs> they're both accepting of their fate and they're going willingly you know they're going willingly they're singing they're embracing their loved ones they're embracing you know their brothers and sisters and it's it's kind of a of a celebration and then it all goes quiet the last scene i i don't think it felt under that shit's traumatizing and i i don't think it 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 all it fell under uh that shit's heartwarming so i'm a i'm a create a new one just for this episode it's called that shit's bittersweet when you know the singing abruptly stop stops crockett island lays still for a few seconds and then we see Lisa and Warren and Lisa turns to Warren and tells him I can't feel my legs. What does that mean fucked up them? It means the angel/demon/whatever that fucking thing was did not make it to shelter before the sun came and that thing has been obliterated and turned to fucking ashes as it should. Yes. Can I get a hell yeah? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> It again, it's bittersweet because Lisa can't feel her legs. Uh the population of how, how many people were at Crockett Island? I always forget the fucking number of the population. They're all gone. The last two people standing are Lisa and Warren. Literally Crockett Island as we know it is gone because it's burning to the ground as we as we speak. But at least uh the demon didn't get to the mainland to spread its terror to the rest of the world and we have gone in uh to the end of our well not yet well let me this uh let's go to our, i'm getting tongue twisted at. <laughs> let's go to our savage of the week award our savage of the week award goes to none other than three people <laughs> three people that deserve the recognition because they were fucking champions and amazing in this last episode put some respect on my girl Annie Flynn's name aka Ed's wife aka Riley and Warren's mom she was brave she stood up to Beth she she did not feed and she she like gave the rest of the good people a chance to get away and it's it's because of her that Lisa and Warren survived 
it's because of her braveness to stand up to Beth and then kill herself right in front of them. And she knew that they were going to get hungry. She knew that if they saw her blood flowing, they were going to go and feed off of her. And she was right. So she kept them distracted for longer. So shout out to Annie. Shout out to my girl, Lisa Scarborough. I already sang my praises for her, so I don't need to go more into detail. She is the real one. She's the bestest. We love uh, a character that keeps their faith among the madness. I can respect that. I can fucking respect that. And you know, I give respect where respect is due. And then the last one, the person that this like deserves so much recognition for her act of selflessness miss aaron green miss aaron green still had the power to cut through the demon's wings as the demon was feeding off of her as she was slowly but painfully dying she got that knife that knife that she told annie flynn was gonna save give them five extra minutes the five extra minutes that they needed and she cut through those wings like as if it was paper and it worked because the demon did not get to the mainland and it's because of aaron that you know uh, Lisa also because of her because if she hadn't told Sarah and I mean if Riley hadn't told her and her if she hadn't told Sarah and then the rest of the people that found out no one would have no one would have survived and then the world would have gone up in flames and it would have been a real it would have been a real revelation <laughs> not just the revelations uh, that happened in Crockett Island so yeah I think that is it for today and for my last segment my take it with a grain of fucking salt segment you know um don't be a fucking hypocrite you know i think don't pretend to be a better person than what you are and love people equally and don't look down on people because of their mistakes because we're not better than anyone and like annie said god doesn't love you more than another person just because you pretend to be this uh you know like closer to god or you're more religious than other than someone else no god does not have favorites and if he did it weren't it wouldn't be you sweetie it wouldn't i'm so sorry i'm so sorry to break your heart right now <laughs> but it's the truth i am not a liar i'm only a truther and if you don't know where that reference is from um we're from different generations <laughs> and you never watched drake and josh but besides the point okay finally we have gotten to the end of the episode and like always, uh, tune in next week for the wrap-up episode where I will be wrapping up Midnight Mass. I've got a couple surprises for you. It should be a lot, a lot of fun. But, yeah, thank you so much for listening, Fucked Up Fam. Like, you don't know what... You don't know how fucking grateful I am to just be creating these podcasts and then getting you to interact with them and listen to them and then you giving me feedback or telling me how much you enjoy this Um 
So all this is for you and you only. And don't ever fucking forget it. So yes, you already know the drill. Follow the podcast on social media, on Instagram, where that show F me up. F is spelled E-F-F-E-D. On Twitter, where that show fuck me up. That is spelled D-A-T. Fucked is spelled without a U, so F-C-K-E-D. Give the podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps the podcast get visibility. And oh my God, my, my doorbell just rang. Hold on. Sorry about that before I was very rudely interrupted by my mother getting to my apartment. I'm just kidding. I love you, mom. Uh, but I, I think I think that is it. Yeah, that's it. So you already know the drill. Be gentle, be kind, and don't be an asshole. Unless you absolutely have to be. Goodbye.